Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for um, the gift of your Son and that uh, we have a great resource in Him of mercy and forgiveness. And as if that weren't enough, you also have um, opened up for us the treasures of knowledge and understanding and wisdom that rest in Him. Um, we thank you that He is the head of the church and that we are in Him. Father, forgive us for not um, living uh, as, as uh, who we really are in Christ, and that we so often act foolishly and go back to um, doubting and unbelief in our actions. I pray, Father, that this morning, we, as we uh, take up this next uh, passage in Luke, that you would be, um, would be very present among us. Uh, you always are. But would you open our eyes and open our hearts to what you would teach us this morning. Help us to trust Jesus more, to love him more, to prize him above all else, and do the hard work of knowing him and then uh, having that knowledge transform our actions to display that we know him not just in word but in deed thank you for this group and their um, their sweet demeanor I, I just love being with them they're just fun to be with and they love you and I pray that they continue to grow in that um, and their love for each other as well, and their love for the church and how they serve. I pray that you would bless them and give them uh, a comfort that only comes from you, knowing that they are yours and you are theirs. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we are in Luke uh, 6 this morning, and we're continuing... We're continuing... Our, um, our little trek here through snippets of the Gospels. And uh, it, it seems like each week, uh, every passage that we've gone through has an associated VBS song. And this morning, we're going to look at verses 46 uh, through 49. A little short passage, Luke 6, 46-49. Um, let me just read it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose, the, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, what's the song? Everybody's doing the hand motions. We got all the hand motions going. And as the prayers go up, the blessings come down, and the whole thing happens. Um, and I, and I, I uh, you, the wise man. This must be a Baptist song. I don't know. Um, and then the favorite, you know, thing is too that that, that can never just be sung. If you're in a VBS setting, that's always shouted. Because we always shout in those kinds of... Anyway, so, there, so that's the song. It, it's a curious thing, though, that Jesus gave us this parable at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mountain. Here in Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plains. The idea is that it was in two different, two different time frames that this happened. Um, but that he gives this parable at the end of some of the most meaty... Uh, challenging uh, statements that we run across um, in, in the Gospels. I mean, you've got the, the, the greatest hits that we know so well from these, from these sermons. Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Philip's going through that right now. 
You've got things like love your enemies and do good those, to those who hate you. Uh, you've got judge not, and you will not be judged, a favorite among uh, the Democratic National Convention. Um, but Matthew uh, chose to include Jesus' discussion on the Mosaic Law. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, you shall not, but I say to you, those are all profound and pivotal statements for us. And in this extended sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, and yet he concludes with this very simple house-building story. Why? Why would he do that? What's going on here? What, what would the audience that is hearing this for the first time be thinking as he's talking about this? Would they be thinking, the wise man builds his... Would they, would they be thinking that? What would they be thinking? What do you... What do you I throw that to you. What do you think they'd be thinking? What do you think they'd be thinking? To me, thinks. The process that it took to build a house in their culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big deal to build a house today, right? Have some of you been involved in house construction? Anybody? Some, yeah? Is it, is it a big deal? It's hard. What's hard about it? A lot involved. A lot involved, such as? Well, if you don't get all the measurements and stuff right, it messes up the foundation. And, uh, Insulation is horrible. It, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> it, if you, you've got to pick a good site, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you've got to figure out uh, all the construction materials you need, have them delivered. Timing is critical. Watching the market and pricing is critical. Um, so you have all of these things that are involved. If you don't do it right the first end, problems way down the road. Yeah, you've got to get it right on the front end or, you, or it, it gets complicated, right? Because remodeling is never fun. Well, I say that. The, the, the demolition work is fun. <laughs> so if you want to build a house today, we hire a backhoe, Right? We do that. Uh, we get a bulldozer to get the dirt work done. We get the concrete delivered by truck along with the lumber. The factory makes these truss. We have a truss factory in, in Bullard. And it's great because you see these. Anyway, makes me happy. Uh, and you get all these other building materials. Is that what they did back then to build a house? What was involved? I need Levi Trust Company to come and no. What do they do to build a house? They do it themselves. They got to do it themselves. They do old-fashioned house raising. Well, I don't. Property. Well, there's probably craftsmen though that did stuff because you think about the tabernacle construction. Sure. So. The more well-to-do could afford right. craftsmen to build their house. But if you're a simple yeah. guy on a plane or standing around a mount, listen to a rabbi. What what is involved? These houses are generally two-room houses. The, the, one, the whole family sleeps in one room, and then you have an area for... Yes, it's odd. Then you, then you, then you have a room basically devoted to animals to kind of keep them... Incidentally, when we get to the birth of Jesus, we'll talk about that. Um, you have just ba- a very simple structure. But how is it built? You have to have help. You can't do it on your own. It's very difficult. So you have to like, hire help or get your friends to come over and help. Okay. Um, he's talking here about foundation. And what he's, what he's pulling from is the region. It's like Houston. It's got this clay. And when clay gets hot, it's like rock. You can't dig through that stuff. Uh, my father-in-law mocks me repeatedly. Uh, he came down to help me put in a sprinkler system when we lived down in Houston. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd, so I don't really do the shovel thing too well. Doing it in that stuff, I mean, sparks were coming off the clay as I'm trying to do it. It was hard to do it. And he comes up here and, you know, it's all soft and it's all azalea and stuff. And he's like, oh, I got guys who work three of you, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Take them down to Houston, let's see what happens. Because it's hard in the summertime. It's cracked, you know, but it's, it's like rock. But when, when the rain hits, like October, hurricane season, that stuff is like pudding. 
You can't stand. You you're lose a boot, you know, walking around. It's nasty. And so that's kind of what's going on here. The, the, um, the soil feels solid in the summer, and it's hot, and it, everything's... And you start building the house, and you start digging in, and you get about three hours into it, and realize you've got seven-foot walls to put up to make your house right, and you're thinking, this feels solid? It'd be so much easier to get this thing done if I just kind of clear it out a little bit and just start building it. It's solid. But what a good builder would do is dig under that rock clay down to the bedrock, to the good stuff. Stuff's not going to move. Doesn't, when, it, when it gets wet, it's not going to turn to pudding, right? And that was hard work. I mean, I dug a foot in Houston clay and, and really just wanted to, let's move. <laughs> but, I mean, you got to dig several feet down to get to good rock on, in, in that area. So, um, in fact, Leviticus 26.19 calls the ground that has high clay content, which would be around the Sea of Galilee area that, that Jesus was talking, um, it calls it bronze. That's a biblical reference to the ground. It's setting Jesus up for this parable later on. It's bronze ground. And the soil feels solid. Uh, and so the, 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 the unwise builder would just kind of give up and just kind of set it up to, to do it real quick. And, and then what happens in the wintertime when the rains come? What do walls need to stay upright? They need foundation. They need something to hang on to. All right. If the stone walls start to settle, they buckle as a result, and the uncut field stones that were used for the walls begin to pop out one by one until the growing bulge in the wall gives way, and the house comes a-tumbling down. Um, that's not unheard of, by the way. As recently as 1991, uh, which is not that long ago, for you know, some of us were younger. Uh, an apartment complex in Jerusalem was built on loose soil rather than the accepted practice of, of digging down to the bedrock. And a third of the complex fell when a sewage leak soaked the ground. 28 families were evacuated from that fall, and the report said that it resembled the destruction of a major earthquake. Great was the fall of that house. <laughs> and that was a small leak. And when they're talking about these rains, Jesus is talking about these rains coming through, that's a big, that's a lot of water. And so it happens quickly. And suddenly, a wise builder digs down to the rock regardless of how long it takes. All right, so that's the physicality of what he's talking about. I think a lot of us know that background. You've got to dig down to the rock. We get that from the parable. Culturally, what's going on? Um, Isaiah 28. Culturally, what was going on? Did you just turn right to it? It's amazing. Um, it's like one of those things where you're looking for a good verse, you know, and you flip and it falls open. There it is. <laughs> it was right in the bottom. It was? Oh, nice, nice. You know, be, gotta, there's an old joke about that, too, you know. The, you flip it open and it says, uh, it says um, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> you flip it again and it says, go down and do likewise. That's never, never a good way to study the Bible. Okay. So you have, what would his audience be thinking culturally? In Isaiah 28, Isaiah is prophesying to a nation facing invasion. Israel's, Israel's looking at being, or Judah's looking at being invaded. The leadership of, of the country had made a mutual defense agreement with Egypt, and they were confident that when Assyrians had arrived, they would be saved by this Egyptian alliance. God told them that, that the coalition they formed was worthless, and he likened it to building a house. Um, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. So Isaiah, in his prophecy, God Relays he has no confidence. They should have no confidence in this in this alliance with Egypt, that it's a shaky house, and that the storm of the Assyrian army would come and destroy that house. But God has laid a new cornerstone, 
to uh, enzyme that would that would be a certain foundation for a new building, and that's awesome, great Isaiah prophecy. There are a couple of ways it was looked at at the time, culturally. Have you ever heard of the the community, the, the Qumran community, the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they were found? They put them in the caves and they found the. It's like a this little sect of uh, Judaism that was kind of mystical, and they went off lived apart from everybody. And their, under, their understanding of this foundation, um, 600 years later after Isaiah's prophecy, was that the foundation was 12 men and three priests who were um, well-versed in the law and lived very pious lives that would be in leadership over Israel. And once they had those men in place who knew the law and had demonstrated a very pious life, the foundation would be laid and Israel would rise again in the blessing of the Lord. And this is, the, this is what God is laying. So their idea was committee, very Baptist, committee of really pious men. That was what they, that was what they viewed the foundation to be. Um, they could fulfill that promise of God in their little community there by the Dead Sea. And they, they wrote, when these are in Israel, it shall be that tried wall, that precious cornerstone whose foundation shall neither rock nor sway in their place. That's one view of what Isaiah was talking about, using the building, the cornerstone idea. The second idea was that the leaders in Jerusalem had. And I found this very interesting. Um, the Ark of the Covenant by this time is gone. It's apparently in a, um, in a storage room at the CIA has the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it's gone. We don't know where it is. Uh, Tannis, I don't know. It's, it's gone. So, but they had a, a stone, a slab of stone that was there in the Holy of Holies that the leaders of Jeru in Jerusalem called the foundation stone, the cornerstone. And it got to be this thing. Um, in... in a, well, in the Jewish writings, uh, the, the oral law tradition in Israel it says that after the ark was taken away, a stone remained there from the time of the early prophets, and it was called the foundation. It was higher than the ground by three finger breadths. On this, he used to place the fire pan. Talking about this is what on the Day of Atonement, they would do that ritual, and they took the fire pan of incense and placed it on this stone that was there in place of the ark. It was known as the foundation. And um, the, incidentally, the side note, the, the language, the Hebrew they used there, the stone could also be referred to, uh, it had a connotation of drinking. And so the view was that the stone was the source of all water in the earth and was used as the creation stone for all water in the earth. Because at the center of the Holy of Holies, that's Zion. To the Jew, that is the center of the earth, the most holy place that stone at that time, that's viewed as Zion. So when referred to Zion, that's what they're talking about. Um, I don't know why it was given that name. We have no record of why, where that stone thing originated or, or any of that. There's no early uh, Jewish writing commenting on Isaiah. But the center of the Holy of Holies was the most sacred spot in the world to the Jew. That was Zion. And so um, later Jewish writings decided the whole world was created from that sacred stone. And they understood that stone, that rock in the Holy of Holies, to be the fulfillment of, Z of Isaiah 28. All right, so you got these two cultural things. Committee, sacred stone. And here comes Jesus with this parable. What is he saying? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. He's saying he's the rock. Is that a, is that a very humble statement? Given the cultural ideas of the day on what foundation stone was about? I mean, he's saying... It's not a committee of men, it's me. It's not a, a mystical stone in the center of your building, it's me. Right? I mean, he's claiming all of that. 
He's pretty bold here to, to, to present a third understanding of the way Isaiah's promise was being fulfilled. Um, the thing about Isaiah's prophecy, though, it's not a morality tale. It's a call to repentance. He's, Isaiah's calling them to repent from this alliance with Egypt and to trust in the Lord. What's Jesus doing? Is he not doing the same thing? Yep. And, how, and how does that work? What is he saying is the issue? Okay. What's the difference between the, man's, who, the man whose house stands and the man whose house falls? His works. His works. What he does with the information he's been given, right? It's what he does with it. Is there any mystery that they needed to build down on the rock? Kind of a norm for them? They'd seen houses built before. Daddy built a house that lasted a long time. How did he do it? No mystery. The knowledge was there. It's what they did with it. It's just hard. It's just hard. It's hard whenever sparks are coming off your shovel. How does the whole thing start? Listen to, now with all that background, <laughs> that was the intro. How does the whole thing start? Yeah. Is it really? No, it's not. Uh, don't mess with me that way. All right, Luke 6, 46. What does, he, what does he start this whole discussion, all three verses, with? Why are they calling him Lord and not doing what he says to do? And what does he say? Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I say? What do we know about repetitiveness in Hebrew literature? It's more weighty. It's more emphasis. The angels don't say holy. They don't even say holy, holy. They say holy, 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 which means really, really holy, right? That's the way that the language worked. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? What's the implication there? If you really thought I was Lord, you'd act differently. Is that what he's saying? They're not ignorant of what Jesus has said. They linked all the good stuff at the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> right? They, they, uh, they, they're, they're using the language of highest praise here, but it means nothing because in practice, they hold Him in highest derision. Dad, I love you. I, I, I want to I show you I love you. I want to show you I'm obedient. And, uh, okay, great. Go, go, weed the, go weed the garden. Three weeks later, how come the garden looks like we're growing nothing but weeds? And what is going on over there? Well, you know, it's hard. If you love me, what does Jesus say? Do my commandments. Don't quote. Quoting is important to know what, know what commandments to do. I don't want to minimize knowledge, but we don't stop there. All right. The comparison is between those who hear and do his words and those who hear and do not do his words. It's not the doctrine, the catechism, the creed, the knowledge. It's practice and obedience. That is the distinction between ruin and being unshaken, between utter destruction and permanence. Um, what does he say of these hearers only? How, how does he describe the end result of their efforts? How does he describe the end result of their efforts? Was great. Sound like a minor repair? Big deal. In fact, the language that he's using is judgment language that we see in the Old Testament. Amos 6.11, for example. For behold, the Lord commands, and the great house shall be struck down into fragments, and the little house into bits. 
Revelation 18.21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a, a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. The idea of utter destruction is what he's talking about here. All right. There is never a separation between knowledge and wisdom that ends well. What are we talking about? Do you remember way those many moons ago when we were in Exodus? Some of you were not with us then. We had a chapter, 31, where we're going through the stuff. You know, you have all the, the narratives of Exodus where they're, they're, you know, coming out of Egypt and all the stuff and the whining and the complaining and the, I'm going to kill him and start with you, Moses. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. It's not a good idea. So you have that stuff. And then you have at that last part of Exodus a series of commands. And there's a lot of temple commands in that stuff. And you remember when we got to the part where God said, I've set apart two guys. Um, what was their names? Bezalel and Aholiab. Delilah, not Delilah. That's later, it's in Judges. I was saying Belial. Belial. No, that's another. That's uh, no. that would be sort of demonic if we yeah. went there. Um, Bezalel and Aholiab. Remember those two guys? Great names. You ever have kids? That's where you want to go. Bezalel and Aholiab. Do you remember? They were craftsmen, and God says, "I put my spirit in them, of 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 knowledge and understanding and wisdom." He says to build stuff, right? And uh, the, the ability and intelligence with knowledge in all craftsmanship. Other translations say with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Um, what was knowledge? We went through this whole discussion on this thing many moons ago. Probably a year ago. More than a year ago. Do you remember what knowledge is? Just define, gentlemen, when we talk about knowledge, biblical terms, what is it? Information? Yes. <laughs> Information would be good. Knowledge is data, facts, to see that a task is done well. It's kind of where we landed when we were going through that discussion. Knowledge is data and facts. They had to know some facts. Knowledge is getting the right information. When we talk about understanding and intelligence, what are we talking about there? Knowledge and facts, understanding would be what? Applying it. Not yet. Okay. Knowledge, understanding, yeah, knowledge and wisdom. Do Connecting the knowledge to what needs to be done. But not necessarily applying it. Not necessarily, but understanding how to apply it. How to. Yes. So, so if you have knowledge, here's the stuff. Understanding is how would it possibly work in this situation that would be good, right, and true. We use the little triumvirate there. How to apply it. And then wisdom would be what? Applying, Applying it. So we, the, that's, how it, that's how Scripture kind of delineates out the process that we have. Here's some information. How do I use it in this situation that I'm in? How do I discern using discernment and what's right here? And then wisdom is actually doing it and doing it well. Right? That, those are... Understanding... And knowledge on top of that, because if you're doing something right at the right time, that's wisdom. Right. It takes wisdom to know when to say it or what to say, but that goes back to understanding. Right. Sin can affect any part of the process. Sin affects any part of the process. Either it affects it at the top end, which often does with me. What are the facts again? <laughs> Emma, uh, Audrey's doing this experiment where uh, she's trying to figure out if people who have music training can remember th words while music's going on. So she plays classical music for a minute and you're, just, and you're to like look at this list of words and my eyes cross and, and you're to and then take a minute and write down all the words and see can you remember it and I failed horribly. Everybody else is getting like 10 words, 11 words out of 15. I got seven. <laughs> and it's like, hey, hey, you know, that, but it supported her hypothesis which was I'm distracted by the music because I'm like, how do I do that? Right? So the data, the words, was distracted from me, it's somebody else's fault, um, because of the music. And that's just kind of, 
if the knowledge is obscured because of distraction of sin, noise, chaos, then we start off, right? We don't have the right facts. Then you go to the next stage of what are the facts? How, do, how would it apply here? Finances, voting, a lot of discussion on understanding of voting these days. Not necessarily, all based, not necessarily all based on the same facts, which is an interesting thing to watch. Social media, not the best place for that. Um, and then you apply it, right? Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. And all of these are gifts from the Spirit of God. Wisdom is doing the right thing at the right time. All of these are gifts from the Spirit of God. Knowledge is obtained to gain understanding, to use wisely in the task at hand. In Exodus, we see that God filled people with the Spirit so that they would have the skills needed to build the tabernacle and all the inner pieces. Paul talks about it this way in Colossians 1. And so, from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to talk about it, to debate endlessly, to form a committee, to come upon the... What does it say? So as to walk, action in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him? Is it possible? Fully pleasing to Him. Do we get nervous when we say that? What about total depravity? Fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good work? Is it possible? <clears throat> and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul sees God once again by His Spirit, filling His people with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Why? Why does God do that? What's the purpose? It's the natural response of those who love Jesus. I want to please Him. Right? In that passage, too, it ended on knowledge. So it kind of seems like knowledge and understanding and actually applying it, it leads you back to wanting to know more about God. Right. The process so this process is a circular, increasingly awesome process, right? Welcome to eternal life. How did Jesus define it? To know God and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. And this is how that happens. In every area, in every good work, it continues and grows and builds and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's if we're doers and not hearers only. That's the challenge. Um, because we love Him more, we want to please Him more so that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Why bother calling Him Lord if we're not willing to do that? Increasing in knowledge, which increases in understanding, which increases in wisdom, which demonstrates that we love Jesus more and more and more. What does this look like? I challenge you. Here it is. Gauntlet right there. All this stuff that we deal with. What is the, what is the will of God for my life? What, what does that look like? I just, here's my fleece. Is it wet in the morning? I, you know, I need to go... Do I, what, do, do I feel peace about this or that choice or whatever? I challenge you. Go through your New Testament and look for phrases like, This is the will of God. And really work at following what follows that statement. And spend your time doing that. And the things of earth seem strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We spend so much time wrapped up in this college or this college as if there's really a difference between UT and A&M other than you can't find a single building at UT. <laughs> Granted, 
Do we spend so much time on, do I take this job? Do I move here? Do I marry this person? Do I even look at this person because they've got, you know, a wrinkle in their forehead or whatever? It, it's, it's, it becomes crazy that we're so wrapped up with this tense. Am I going to... Am I going to do God's plan B for my life? Really? Plan B? You marry the plan B wife, have the plan B kids? Who are always wishing they had the plan A dad? That always happens, by the way. They always wish they had the plan A dad. How crazy is that? The focus is Jesus. I want to be pleasing to Him. I want Lord, Lord to mean something. So how do I do that? This is the will of God, your thankfulness, content with what he's given. I strive, if I'm in slavery, Paul says, work to get out of it, but be content where you are while you're there. That's slavery. None of us are there. Well, some of us are employees, so sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> Mortgage. Um, this is the will of God. Here's a simple one. It's very simple. If I'm a single guy reading my Bible, I cannot escape the biblical data that says engaging in sexual activity outside the way we were designed by God is like taking fire to the chest. How can you do that and not get burned? That's what the Bible says. This is the will of God that you what? Abstain, right? Not, anybody want to tell me about a textual variant in that passage? There's not one. It's very clear. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Ephesians 5.3 and other places. The knowledge is clear. The data is set. We have the points. There it is, the understanding. How do we discern... How do we discern? How do we ask the right question? It's the fool who asks the question, how far can I go with my girlfriend and it still be okay? The wise man asked, how do I need to approach this relationship with my sister in Christ so that we both keep growing and hungering and thirsting after Jesus instead of coveting what is not ours to have at this time? That's the understanding. That's the discernment. That's what's got to take place. This is the data. This is the will of God. This is the discernment. I may have a problem here if we go driving alone on a country road and just happen to get lost. Right? That's, that's use discernment there. Lord, Lord, do what I say. And then a wise man then acts, doesn't just make the plan, Acts on the answer to the right question. He may need to be radical. David Platt. May need to be radical. And never allow himself to be alone with his girlfriend because he knows he must keep doing the hard work of digging down to the rock. And sometimes it feels like you're hitting sparks off the shovel. But you keep digging. Why? Because when the water comes and we're not down on the rock on that issue... Great is the destruction. It's chaos. That's one application. That's a very simple application. If we love Jesus more, we love His people more. And that sounds really nice until you actually start trying to love His people. Right? We're an ornery bunch. I am an ornery man. And if you try to love me, you will be disappointed. Ask Tammy. <laughs> I get distracted. And I have the knowledge. More than I'd like to admit. And the understanding sometimes is there. But the shovel breaks in the middle as I'm going to the clay. It, we're all fighting for this, right? So that involves grace to each other when we don't dig down deep. Encouragement to each other to keep digging. 
to lay the proper foundation like we're supposed to, studying God's Word, thinking through what it means, how would it apply to where I am, and then doing it. Do it. Uh, Tammy uh, says that I'm, I'm oftentimes uh, guilty of analysis paralysis. <laughs> I get stuck at the understanding level. It's like, what is that? A month later, and I still haven't built a chicken coop because I'm still trying to figure out the angles, you know, of the thing. And we've got to be doers. The opposite side of that, in fairness, <laughs> is you've got to have the knowledge and the analysis before you start doing. Or you, <laughs> or you build goat pens out of pallets, and they just, the great was its destruction. It's just, not, it's just not a good thing. So all of it is important. That's a whole other system of thought. What? It's interesting that when he talks about the one who's laying the foundation on the rock, says when a flood arose, it almost has like a catastrophic, you know, level of flood right. versus the one who, and yet it withstood mm -hmm. that. And then the one who built his house on the ground without a foundation it was when a stream broke. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't take much water it, it wasn't a, it to make clay into pudding. It was something kind of small. And isn't that the way sin works? Right? It's a little thing. A boundary missed. Uh, a, a careless statement made that in hostility, you know, because you just get, you know, I'm tired, and therefore I'm justified in saying this to this person that mm. cut them to the core. Right? It's a little thing. It's a little water. And if the foundation isn't there... The water's not resisted. But if the foundation is there, uh, you have the Iranian church that's growing up in the midst of great persecution. It, it's, a, it's a different uh, ability to withstand what's there when the foundation is there. Um, we need each other. And I, I guess that's where I'm going. I, I need Chad and Philip. I need you guys. Uh, to kick me in the butt, which needs to be happen happening on a regular basis. We need each other. It's a house we're building, not a bunch of individuals, but a house that we're building, right? The, Paul talks about in terms of temple, uh, house, uh, a, a, a city. So that's not something that we can do alone. Um, we talked last week about the gift when he ascended, he gave gifts to men, the pastors, the preachers, the apostles, the teachers, and the, and the evangelists. And, and the thing that we, we kind of rest on is, teach me, equip me, you know, you guys who are gifted or whatever. But the way that that whole passage begins, Paul says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gift that he's given to you belongs to the body of Christ. And that's to help us all dig deep. So don't withhold the gift. Um, he's filled you with knowledge and understanding and wisdom with that gift. And if you lack it in an area, ask it of him because James tells us he's not stingy. He gives it freely. And in Christ, Colossians 2.3 tells us, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I would argue that that's an A to Z reference. All means all there. It's all in Him. And so we go to Him for, for all of it. We can know all this stuff, the systematic theology, the church history, the creeds and confessions, and it's knowledge. It's just knowledge if it stays there. Like yeast to bread dough, it puffs up with empty gas. Things that are full of hot air pop really easily when they meet with resistance, like water balloons that we had in our front yard yesterday. Many times I fear that we, 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 we talk like Pharisees. We talk the good game of rules and holiness and all that, but we live like Sadducees, adopting the culture sometimes. So this is a call, I think, by Jesus to us to repentance to commitment to love Him for who He is, Lord, Lord. And to do that in every area of life, and that's an ongoing pursuit. All this stuff that He talks about before 
in the in the parable on the plain parable sermon on the mount uh, the the sermon on the plain the sermon on the mount all that stuff that's christian ethics and he ends with if you don't do it you don't love me and to the extent that you do it you display that you love me all right the call of jesus in luke 6 is also a call to us just like a storm was coming in their day there's one coming in ours and we all know it how is our house building going? Are we doing the hard work of digging down to the rock? Jesus said that upon that rock he will build his church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Incidentally, that rock was not Peter. That rock was not the magisterium. That rock was Christ. Always has been, always will be. How are we doing on that? That's the call. Any comments, questions? We have at least 10 minutes before we normally go, oh my gosh, we're just way so late, we gotta get. Can I read from Ephesians 2? Sure, you can read from Ephesians 2. Oh. <laughs> it's at the very end. Um, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And I just think it's cool because there's the whole work of the Trinity involved mm -hmm. in that, and there's their work over time of the church being built, the apostles and the prophets as part of the foundation and Christ as the cornerstone, mm -hmm. and the current in him you also are being built right, right now with your fellow Christians, mm -hmm. you're being built into a dwelling place for the Lord. And so, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, especially the last verse where it talks about the whole Trinity is involved in that. Because many times when we hear stuff like this, it's just go do it. You can't do it. You cannot do this in and of yourself. It has to be a work of the Spirit. And yet, we're charged with do it because as Philippians says we work work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure we're given the signpost this is the will of God I really need to work on my thankfulness I'm so weak in that I'm just not I'm so unthankful that I'm unthankful I, I really need to go forward in this I can't do it. So what does that cause me to do? I read what it says about thankfulness and be content in all things. I pray for wisdom and understanding how to apply that in my life when there are no two valid candidates to vote for. How am I thankful in this situation? And then I seek to apply it. But I can't do it unless the Holy Spirit is, in, is changing my heart, making me thankful developing me into the image of Christ. So it takes a whole trinity. Because we're ornery. It takes a whole trinity. <laughs> Obviously it does, because he's... I'm being facetious. Yes? Um, kind of the same thing we were telling our girls this week at camp. Um, you know, the responsibilities that they claim to be believers. But mm -hmm. I told them, I said, I don't want y'all to think that... Because I think in the past, or we have a tendency, especially in our Southern Baptist circles, to build up a lot of bitterness because mm -hmm. we're always giving someone a to-do list. Mm -hmm. But what if they're, you know, struggling with their walk with Christ in the beginning? Like, well, you need to just work on being thankful. So mm -hmm. I told them, I said, none of this, all these things we're telling y'all to do, like reaching out to others, <laughs> loving on others, serving, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to mean anything unless you're not walking with the Lord in prayer and in His mm -hmm. Word. Having other people pray for you, hold you accountable. Um, your walk with Christ. This is an outflow of your walk with Christ. Right. But um, so I said, it, you do have responsibilities, and you are accountable for things if you claim to be. But you know, this is not a checklist to be a good Christian. Yeah. And that's so fundamental. Like we all know that, but I think we forget. You know, preach the gospel to yourself. Mm -hmm. Go back, get yourself with your Jesus. You know, I mean, we all serve the same Jesus. But if right. it's not, like, say, Lord, Lord, but not doing it. And our own, then it's just good works without. Yeah, faith. we often stop at the knowledge yeah. element of that. Because I grew up in the, the circles where we were always being taught what to do, but I think it made a lot of bitterness in those who weren't where they needed to be. They needed right. some help, some accountability, some confession and stuff. 
and so they're just angry with their to-do list and they weren't feeling yeah. any better, you know. Yeah. And I said, now y'all are going to struggle, and it doesn't always, it's not about how you feel but right. about your walk with right. them. Yeah. It, it's, it's an ongoing process. None of us are going to arrive there um, tomorrow or even at the end of the week. Usually it's worse at the end of the week. But the idea is to keep pressing forward and keep digging. Go dory on it. Just keep digging, you know. Because eventually the change is going to happen in the heart. I, I will be more thankful than I was yesterday or a year from now. I, I will be more concerned with you know, how, how I um, control fits of anger, which incidentally is in the list of fleshly actions, and we all do that on the loop, but that's another issue. It's there. It does continue. It does, we do grow, and, it, and, um, and that's a sign. That's, it should also be an assurance that we're in Him. Anything else? to hold you accountable on things that you need to improve but you also need those friends that go you know you're really more joyful than you used to be mm -hmm. and you, or you're you really handle things that come your way that are unforeseen better than you used to and i see that as a work of god in you mm -hmm. it's good to be involved in each other's lives to also point out good things in each other where we see God working and we see God changing mm -hmm. hearts because I, th I think sometimes we get so down on the on the things that we don't do failing right. at or that are harder to um, to overcome mm -hmm. that we forget to look at all the places God has been faithful and is um, transforming us in some way yeah yeah and it's good to remember that from the other side, too. If you see a brother in Christ who's grown in something, be sure and encourage them in it. That's also what we're tasked to do. It's a checklist thing to encourage one another. So, all right. I, I know that the, uh, the mind can only absorb what the behind can endure. So I will pray and uh, we will go. Father, when it comes down to it, what you're calling us to do and what our hearts want to do if they're renewed in Christ is to know Him more. And we ask for a zeal that's only born by your Spirit to love Him, to, to search out those nuggets in Scripture that are clear direction that, um, that you would... Um, Make us burdened to understand things as they are and how they should be applied where we are. You've put us each in different circumstances and different situations to display the beauty of Jesus where we are. And that takes a bit of work. And so I pray that you would make us good workmen, co-laborers with Christ as we as we share the gospel, as we benefit from the gospel, as we um, build upon what you've done for us through the gospel, to look more and more like Jesus every day, gathering others to display um, and to worship uh, our Lord. And we pray that we say that term rightfully and mean it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.